right, welcome back to episode 40 of Counter at Your Own Risk. This is going to be part four, uh, where we talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Leading us through this portion of the podcast is going to be Kent again. So take it away, bud. All right. First and foremost, I know I'm going to take some shit for this, but this is my second favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and I know that is not a popular opinion. And I'm okay with that. Um, this has an amazing soundtrack, and I know that's probably not what we all came here to talk about. But I don't know if you guys ever looked at the fucking soundtrack. There is the the new girl, uh, Tuesday Night, who replaced Patricia Arquette. Um, she sings the opening song, Nightmare. You have the Divinal singing Back to the Wall. Drama-Rama doing Anything, Anything, which is a fucking amazing song. Billy Idol with Fatal Charm. Uh, Pride and Joy by Joe Lamont. And a Sinead, Sinead O'Connor song called I Want Your Hands on Me. Like, that's a pretty stacked fucking lineup right there, in my opinion. And I think we... Did, did we establish earlier that this was right around the same time the Fresh Prince song happened, right, Chris? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. So, you know, first and foremost, uh, that that's going to be my first thing, is how good the soundtrack is. I've read that this is the most MTV Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and with that soundtrack, it's hard to argue. Um, so, basically, this movie said... All right, why was part three successful? We did some creative dream sequences. We did some really uh, creative kills. We gave Freddy more personality. And I'll go on record right now. I don't care what anybody says. People have been telling me for years that Freddy is scarier in Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and 2 than he is the rest of the franchise. And I could not disagree more because I think Freddy is fucking a looney tune in part one and part two he is scarier but he just doesn't do a whole lot so i i I guess i i'm a man of results and damn it the man got results in parts three and four He, he got a lot of good results while getting a few zingers in so uh yeah i'm just gonna say i i find him scarier in three and four uh by part six, I don't find him scary at all, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, with that being said, we have a lot of good uh, dream sequences again. Uh, this movie's just like, oh, you had three survivors from the last movie. Well, fuck them. We're going to use Kincaid. We're going to give him a dog named Jason because Nightmare on Elm Street likes to reference fucking other horror movies. So Jason the dog can now piss fire, which creates a fucking opening in the ground, which happens to be where Freddy's bones were laid to rest by Dr. Neil Gordon, and uh, the fiery piss reinvigorates Freddy. Like, that's something we don't talk about, is how and why, like, there's, it makes no sense how Freddy actually comes back in any of these movies, quite frankly. It doesn't make any sense, but, yeah, like... People will talk about how he dies, but nobody really kind of discusses like how he returns because it doesn't make any sense. And yeah, you just kind of talk yourself into nothing. Anyways, Kincaid is the first victim. Uh, he tried, but he got trapped by cars in the junkyard. That didn't go so well. Um, 
then Joey. Joey has a great death because he has that really, really hot chick on his wall on the poster, and then she appears in the waterbed below him. Now, what doesn't make sense is that by the time Freddy's done with him, somehow Joey has inserted himself into the waterbed mattress. And I, I normally would talk more here, but I got to ask right away, is that at all possible? Isn't there just like a little valve for the... Yeah, it's build? like a little valve that you can hook a fucking hose up to, and that's it. <laughs> so there's no possible way that Joey could have ended up in there, like, via suicide. Like, there's just no possible way at all. Yeah, no. Correct? No. no. Okay, fantastic. Basically, they're just saying, that's not possible, but we have this super attractive nude woman, and nobody gave a fuck because, you know, she was super attractive. Titties. Yeah. And titties. it looked good. You know, like the, the uh, him coming. Because the parents find him in the waterbed, yeah. right, is what you're saying. Because, like, with the woman, it's obviously in the dream sequence, but. <laughs> yeah. Where. Yeah, the parents find him in the. You know, his hair, I mean, I know it's just because he's, you know, underwater, but it reminds me so much of um, the original Creep Show with the, the Leslie Nielsen, Ted Danson sequence when they're underwater. I don't know why I correlate those two, but that's my correlation. Uh, as I mentioned, Patricia Arquette is no longer in the franchise, which... Uh, Kevin, you watched the documentary. Did they go over this? Why she didn't return? Because I've only heard. Yeah, they make like, like they made like a big deal about it too. When they're like, you know, when they got to the Dream Warriors. So I read in an interview with Patricia Arquette and Bloody Flicks that was uh, in 2017 that she basically wanted more media roles. She just did a movie of the week about teen pregnancy. And it wasn't that she wanted to do, like, bigger movies. I think she just didn't want to do another horror film and get kind of stuck into the genre. Um, and and I, honestly, I think she's just an actor, and she just wanted to, to act, you know. And there was, you know, it was a grueling set. I mean, she was stuck in that the, the Freddy Snake thing for, like, I mean, that was, like, a few days of shooting. I believe where she actually fell asleep in it. So, and the oh, thing yeah. that I got, what I've never heard said, cause there's been a lot of, a lot of things said, um, and rumors about why she didn't come back. But in the documentary, they, they said that like everyone on set fell in love with Trisha Arquette and, you know, it was all those kids and Joey, especially. And I think she might've just had like, yeah, I don't want to deal with all of that with a bunch of like, a bunch of like teenage kids my age and everyone lusting over, you know, I, th I think, I think maybe that might've had something to do with it. Cause I don't know. Robert England said people were coming to him and asking him for advice. And he was like, I don't, I don't know, but. <laughs> Could you imagine the being Robert England and having like all these, yo, late teens, early 20 year olds, like asking him for advice. Yeah. Like, fuck me, man. <laughs> like, that would be kind of weird. Uh, right? You know, I've been out of the dating game for like thirty years, guys. You know, I don't, I don't know how you hook up with teens anymore. Maybe, maybe there'll be these things called apps, and you know, like another thirty or forty years that you can use. Yeah, uh, 
do, do you think it was a missed opportunity? Because really, Kristen, Kristen has a it's a small part of the movie, but it's such an important part of the movie in that in how she passes along the gift to Alice. I don't know. I almost feel like Patricia Arquette, like it doesn't seem like any aspect of that of that film was that grueling of a process for that role, right? Well, there was definitely more partial nudity with uh, Kristen in this one than there was in three. I mean, I don't know how that factors in, but I would imagine that made it easier for them to pick up somebody new than somebody like Patricia. Especially because even though she hadn't been in a ton of stuff, her family was, you know, Susanna and Rosanna were already pretty I think she was just over it. She was like, she did that. She liked it, you know, and it was like, let's move on to the next, the next character, you know, let's move on. I think she just really wanted to act. So I don't think, I mean, I don't think that she missed an opportunity because, I mean, her career is probably, you know, better than, than most of the people in that movie, arguably. I mean, but I mean, who else? Robert England or maybe Lawrence Fishburne, you know, you know. But, yeah. you know, Robert England yeah, is Lawrence basically Fishburne. only known for Freddy Krueger or other kinds of, you know. Yeah, you really got to be, like, into the genre or, like, you know, yeah, V, uh, you know. And, and then there's just, like, you know, just, like, very niche genre horror films, you know, where. Right. Right. So to go along with this thought, then did I? I never really liked Tuesday Night as an actress, but you know, this time, past couple times around, actually, I've kind of liked her as you know, like as a replacement. All things concerned, I think she worked out pretty well. Um, plus, she gave us the the song, which I I really thought the song was good. Uh, did would you say that she was a good villain? All things concerned, <laughs> well, no. I mean, was she better than Patricia Arquette? She screamed better than Patricia Arquette did, less annoyingly. But was she a good fill-in? No. She, like, it felt like it, they might as well have just used a completely different character. Yeah. Fair enough. Chris also doesn't I like I mean, it was horror, okay. And, and I'm a defender of it, so... I, I fully expect Chris to say that with me. I remember this one, liking this one, and putting it up right after three, before I went and did this rewatch. And after it, it is second from the bottom for me. Fair um, enough. And a large portion of that is just due to the characters. Uh, you were you're right in a lot of what you said about it being creative with the um, the dream sequences, Kent. But like, I didn't didn't like Kristen in this one. I didn't like what they did with Kincaid and Joey right at the beginning. Um, I didn't like the new band of kids and fucking what the hell's her name? The Yvonne or Debbie or Alice? Alice, fucking I couldn't stand Alice. At all, like at one point towards the beginning of the movie, I'm like, "Is this girl fucking autistic, or is it just me?" And I mean, it gets better as you go on, but um, you could you make have, that argument. You went from like a 
relatively cool group. Oh no, you went from a fucking cool group of characters in part three to like the fucking rejects in part four. I I would say Rick was arguably the least coolest of the group. And it's funny, like reading some of the stuff, like I don't think I got the feeling that a lot of people did not really like the dude that played Rick. Uh, He ran very weird. His acting wasn't very good at all. And realistically, his death scene, I don't know, is, is that the one that's the most out of place for you guys, or no? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, the, kung, the kung fuing the air. Well, first he's taking a shit, and then all these cheerleaders and his sister come into the stall. He rides an elevator and then ends up a, in this room full of, you know, j- Japanese Asian stuff and yeah the kung, kung fu scene like that's all like all over the fucking place for me. Well, they I get well that uh, that scene was all over the place because they had like a scene where he like sinks into something and it's like still, you know like black sky or something like some sort of abyss but they didn't have money for it so they had to pretty much use the set of his bedroom and they didn't have Robert England there either because they couldn't afford it. So it was just him, like, fighting the air. Um, but the uh, elevator thing, I think, was part of it. But And I thought the elevator, the beginning of it, was pretty cool. But, I mean, I think that's what makes it an after-school special in this one is that it's the brother dies. And how do you cope after that? Fair enough. Well, not to mention having an alcoholic father. Yeah, well... You know, that's true. And um, yeah, it's like a very like before there was Inception, Kirsten's mom drugs her. So, all right. So, Kent, which which death do you think got me the most in this one, or took me out of it the most? Knowing what knowing what you know about me and what I find I hate in real life. Oh, um. I'm guessing the with the cockroach. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, everything about that. All right. Like, I like the. I don't know. Juxtaposition is the right term, but I mean, we have Alice and Dan just going in fucking crazy circles, which they eventually kind of repeat a little bit. In Freddy's dead, and then you have Debbie as the cockroach, which is visually like for what it is. I thought. Visually, it looked pretty good, makeup-wise and stuff, right? Yeah, those, those arms were, like, fucking horrible. You know, like, when they get to the actual tr- transformation when she completely changes, yeah, that was fucked up. That was gross as fuck, but it was good. But, like, when she's just wandering around and she's got the two, like, cockroach arms, like, hanging out from her broken spot on her arm, you know, like, that was, like... They didn't even look like real, like special, you know, real props that look like fucking rubber, you know, like a Toho monster suit from the 1970s. I mean, the arms looked bad, and yeah, you're right, no, it did. I really liked it. It's actually one of my favorite Dusty's, but it is is ridiculous, but, uh, you know, and I, while I was watching it, I'm like, so basically did they do this for the only reason because the fly came out two years before? 
Like, it seemed very, like, out of nowhere, the whole cockroach thing. Like, specifically cockroach. Uh, I mean, who who doesn't like fucking Cronenberg? So, I see no reason why yeah. that couldn't have been a reason. Oh, no. You know what? That brings me up something I forgot to mention the last time. Um, three reminded me of, like, what you would get if you threw Nightmare on Elm Street and The Breakfast Club together. And that had come out, like, I think uh, a year and a half before the movie did. So, possibly an influence. Nice, nice. I I liked that this movie... I think this movie kind of set the standard of, within the first, you know, three minutes of meeting any character, we're going to give them one or two stereotypes, and that's what their character is going to be known for. The whole film. That's it. That works. Yeah, that's true. You know, oh, uh, Yvonne ha- has asthma, and she's smart and created a device at night to ultrasonic sound waves to keep away bugs for her friend. Because that's what you do in high school, right? You guys all made that for your friends, right? Oh, shit, yeah, dude. I've made all sorts of, you know, cool science experiments and stuff. Yeah. Um uh- this is, you know, I, I noted again how much this the house gets worse and worse looking with each film, and this is the point where it was really driving me nuts. Like, just bulldoze the fucking house. Uh, and Chris- and then my question becomes: if if Freddy's not hunting the house, why the fuck is he bringing him the back there? Like, when it has no meaning to them, since they're not Nancy, didn't grow up there. And then what, in part what? six, don't they imply that that's the house that he lived in? That is something I was trying to figure out because I was also but wondering why are if kids that's the out case, there? if he lived in that, why would the family of the people who murdered him and had <laughs> move into that same like I don't, I don't. right? <laughs> I, your guess is as good as mine, man. It's there's there's a lot going on. I want to throw out, uh, because, Chris, you know how much I want to always bring up this movie. The nude girl in Joey's Dream played the wife of Charlie Campion in the original The Stand miniseries. And she was also in Slumber Party Massacre 3. Random-ass stuff right there. You're welcome. And, I mean, to to go back to, like, Joey and Kincaid going out like bitches... Like, Joey gets fucking caught the exact same fucking way that he did in the last movie. Like, didn't he learn his fucking lesson? (laughs) Like, if a a hot chick way beyond your means starts fucking making out with you, don't go into the waterbed. Yeah, I don't. That that makes no sense of what you just Um, said, Chris. You go into the waterbed every time. (laughs) Yeah. 50% of the time, every time, okay? (laughs) No, man. Don't go in. Don't go in there. You you go in and you chase those waterfalls, my friend. Um, is is there something involving Freddy's tongue in well, every think, nightmare movie? I think so. I don't know if it's is it everyone, but a lot of them. Ooh, I was I don't. There, I was there in two. Making, well, two. It's uh, Jesse when he's album, um, about to have or like making out with uh with Lisa. The the, the yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, his tongue. Yeah, yeah. with Lisa. Freddy's tongue oh, comes well, th- out. And what about yeah. three? 
the nurse, yeah. Three was the tongue, tongue, tongue bondage to the bed. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, what the the phone in the first one. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Phone, phone in the first one and in uh, six. I don't I don't have examples for every movie, but <laughs> I don't remember I don't remember five. Did you me? find I one? Appreciate it. <laughs> but I guess we're skipping. I don't ahead. remember f- one and five either. Maybe I mean maybe they thought that like the whole issue of gang rape would probably you know, you know maybe take a, take away from the tongues in that one. So I think Chris already said this, but uh, Kevin, I'll ask you, Alice, do you like it? Did you prefer her as quiet daydreamer or badass Alice? Uh, I, I mean, I don't even know. Um, the thing I liked about Alice, uh, my, I think the best nightmare, maybe not sequence uh, aesthetically, but the best nightmare is that she's still a waitress when she's like 60 years old. Um. And uh, I I do like Alice, though. She is pretty good. But I think just the fact that, like, they kill off everyone that was in the good movie, Dream Warriors, off so quickly um, that, you know, it's always kind of disappointing, like, when you have, like, new – I mean, I'm speaking of, like, when I was a kid and watched it. You know, I I feel like I probably stopped watching this movie after – Kristen yeah, they died. just killed off the three people that you were cheering on the most, and don't you know? Aside from Freddie, the people you knew, and could they could they have done this though, and made sense of it by keeping Joey and Kincaid and Kristen around longer, or was it just that their deaths were so bad that you found it unappealing? Oh, I mean. Kincaid dying in the beginning, like in the junkyard, scared me as a kid. I, I mean, I think the thing about this that I never thought of before, because I probably didn't follow him like this, but uh, this is the very first direct sequel to the movie previous to it. Where, like, at number four, it's the first direct sequel, which is kind of odd. And I think I just didn't really know how to, like, you know all of that. And then you got like new characters and stuff. And then, you know, the brother was super cheesy. Um, but I mean, I had a lot of fun, fun with it. Um, this time around, I'm not trying to like criticize it, um, for how I feel about it now, because I, I really like four. uh, I, I mean, I, I basically like, like all of them. It's, um, and like the going under surgery thing I thought was, pretty crazy too not that i'm like super scared about that now but that's like a place where you know you have to go under and that's a place where you're not safe so i thought you know i I really liked it you know um in in series like this you end up following the villain more than any individual characters because for the most part the characters are going to get murked as you go through each each movie i mean that's where the enjoyment comes from but like I mean, you had these characters in three get dream powers, you know, and it, and it wasn't necessary, you know, that Kristen bring him in because Kincaid was still strong, you know, even when he wasn't there with them. 
So, like, Kincaid getting crushed by cars, I'm like, literally 15 minutes ago, the dude was strong enough to probably, like, fucking push the cars off of himself. So, you know, that that kind of, it's like forgetting what came before and just, I don't want to say shitting on it, but just, you know, like, ignoring it. You know, the cool stuff. You know, like having, like I said, having Joey fall for the exact same shtick from Freddy uh, when they've already been warned that Freddy's coming back. You know, I mean, like, if I, as a person, was being haunted by somebody who's going to try to kill me in my dreams and he had already sucked me in by appealing to my lust, any dream I have involving lust is going to be fucking suspect at that point. Um, And, you know, like, I didn't dislike Alice because of the actress, but at the same time, you know, I think a stronger actress could have fucking knocked that role out of the park you know, could have gone on to become something iconic like Linda Hamilton or, or, uh, you know, Sigourney Weaver. And instead, like, I fucking don't even know the actress's name, and I fucking... Lisa Wilcox. Wouldn't remember it by tomorrow if you told me. Thanks a lot, Kent. Uh, You're welcome. (laughs) So it's it's not horrible. But then we do get some, I don't want to say retcons, but, you know, new shit, like the whole idea of the Dream Masters just popping up in part four. You know, and, like, why Alice is a Dream Master is never really explained. You know, the whole, the two... She knows a rhyme, dude. That's yeah. why. Well, what if what if I knew the rhyme? Could I be the Dream Master instead of that? You know, all the, yeah. the whole idea of the two, um, the two Dream Doors. And like you said, man, this is, like, the weakest Freddy goes out. It, oh, God, yeah. Not always... Okay, it's funny because of part three with the mirrors. So now the... All right. Let's talk about the ending, because there's a lot going on. First and foremost, Alice knows enough to punch a hole through the wall and grab an electric cable, attach it to this device that Yvonne made, and know that you're going to somehow like th- blast a hole through Freddy's chest, only for him to just wipe it clean three seconds later and just laugh at her, which defeats the whole purpose of this gimmick to begin with. Like, you didn't need that gimmick. What? what why did it exist? It, it just, it didn't need to. Well, because but, because Yvonne's thing was a Chekhov's science project until they actually used it. Uh, it's just, I I don't know. I I hate that device. I I to this day I hate that device. And it's actually probably my least favorite part of the whole movie is the using of that device only for Freddy just like haha nothing. But all right. I want to bring up that when they, Freddie and Alice are like on top of the pews, they're like circling around each other while walking on just the tops of the pews. They're able to circle around each other. It didn't look like they were trying to balance on top of pews. That's all I'm saying. The the footwork was way off. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't, Is that for the theater I sequence? Yeah. Yeah, like at, at the end when they're in the church, like the final confrontation. I have they're, I have a problem with like blurring four and five together. Um. So is that where is that the one with the with the the big Freddy chest where they start coming out? Yes, and I just want to throw out that Linnea Quigley. Uh, known for re- 
Return of the Living Dead 1 or 2. Uh, she was the nude chick in that one. Is also the topless chick uh, that shows her tits in Freddy's body at the very end. Yeah. Uh, yeah I do yeah, not yeah. think she's known for much else, but she is a very popular amongst the horror uh, genre. That was the Good reason why I couldn't watch this movie, because um, I wasn't allowed to see, like... So my dad would let me watch it in parts, and then, like, it would be, like, the, the opening scene with Joey. I wouldn't have been allowed to see that. And then, and then like, I would watch the end, and it's, like, the whole end thing is coming out, and then all of a sudden, boobs come out of Freddy, Freddy Krueger. And he's like, all right, you can't watch this. So I never really got to, like... Um, watch it all the way through when I was young. So, but that was this one. So that, I thought that was cool. I thought there was a lot of cool stuff, but you're talking about what was it? It just like shoots out like, like a, like star Wars laser thing out of the device. Is that what happened? Yeah. It's just bad. It's so bad. I, I, I don't know. Can you explain it better, Chris? Like, it's just a weird, I don't, she's, I don't know. She's got that little, it almost looks like a taser from star Trek kind of, or a phaser from Star Trek kind of thing that she never uses, but she's like, oh, it'll ultrasonically keep the bugs away from you. And then, like Kent said, she, she punches a hole into the ball and rips like an active, like electrical conduit out to hook it into that. And then like shoots a really cheesy CG, blue CGI laser through Freddy and blows a hole in him, which is actually a, a decent special effect. Cause you see a shot from behind him, you know, where uh, you see his insides, you know, around around the hole, and then he just heals up automatically, and you're like, yep, okay, that was just, you know, <laughs> a waste of 30 minutes, or 30 seconds. Uh, yeah. I will say, I really enjoyed the part, though, in the, the dream, when she's in school, and she wakes up, and she's talking to the school nurse, and Freddy's, Robert Englund is playing the school oh, nurse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. Okay. Re- regarding the school, after Yvonne dies... Alice lets out the scream. Now, this is, I think, the real world, and yet, like, some gust of wind destroys all the windows in the room, and nobody, like, it's never discussed again. Like, was that, was that supposed to be the real world, or was that I think she's still in the dream, because after that, isn't that when she wakes up and, and Freddy's the nurse? Yeah. Oh, God, maybe. That's entirely possible. All right. It was like Inception. It was, you know, she was in the third layer. and then, uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have two quick things, and uh, I'm good. I want to just point out that uh, the grave situation. Did anybody notice that Kincaid and Kristen are just buried next to Nancy? Because yep. that makes sense? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean... Sure. I mean, I I worked with him once at an insane asylum, so obviously, you know, they should bury him next to me. Right. Like, that that just cracked me up. And the other thing that I, I really had to laugh about is, like, Alice wakes up from the dream that, you know, Kristen just got fucking thrown into the fire. And she's like, Rick, we gotta go check on Kristen. He's like... Are we sure? Like, you might just be like, he's in denial, not really wanting to go check on his girlfriend, even though two other people just got murdered like the past two nights. Nah, he really didn't seem all that interested in like bothering. Yeah, I wouldn't his either. Girlfriend's house to check. <laughs> if people just died. It felt very weird. <laughs> it was just 
Ah, Rick is, I don't know, Rick is one of the worst characters in Nightmare history as far as I'm concerned. Enjoyable in the worst way possible. I couldn't stand his hair too, man. Talking about, you talk about hair games, that was not a good hair. (laughs) Dude, he wore a suit with a sweater to high school. Like, everything about him was just kind of way the fuck off. And... I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but the last thing we see, the final scene, now Freddy just got killed by seeing his own reflection. What do we see at the end? Freddy's re- reflection in the water. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I mean, think of how many times he's popped up behind somebody while they're looking in a mirror and then they turn around and he's not there. I mean, how can you look? I mean, unless he's he's like purposely avoiding looking at himself in the mirror and like, I'm only staring at the back of Nancy's head. You know? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, that's all I got. You guys got any other things? It wasn't. I have. It wasn't bad, but it just wasn't as good as I remembered it being. One thing that I thought was super odd is that the end credits. I don't know if anyone noticed this, but it was in alphabetical order, and the first characters is like coach and friend. You know, like it's not like any of the main characters, so it was just like a really odd way to do the end credits like not like in order of appearance or you know whatever it's like the first two name like characters is like the coach friend like i don't even know who those people are so i just thought that was like i don't know consistent with the mess we never find out who the floozy is that's with dan as well like dan at one point's in the diner and like this random chick's like dan are you coming or not and like we don't ever get her name or anything and by the end, like, she's just out of Dan's life. He's totally into Alice. Oh, and but- um, just to correct us, because we've been fucking up the entire time we've been doing this one, uh, Yvonne is the friend in part five. Sheila was the friend who gave her the phaser thing in ah, this one. shit. My Oops. bad. That's okay. I mean, sorry. I didn't catch that either. Oh, the suck face math exam. Yeah, I didn't write any of their names down. But yeah, Yvonne is the... Yvonne is, is the fucking five. annoying one in part five. Why, how was Freddy able to carve like his claws into the locker room when we first get the opening credits? Like, dude, I, glowing I don't even red. know how Freddy does any of the shit he does anymore. <laughs> I'm fucking like, dumb at this point. They, they, they're just like, well, Freddy can't do much in the real world except when we kind of need something to look cool. That's what I get out of it. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I think cocaine was. Pretty cheap in 1988. <laughs> my my answer to most of these questions. Yeah. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's All right. move onward then, I guess. All right, guys. We'll be back for part five, The Dream Child, in just a little bit. 